Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Emmys Week, or one of many things we'll be calling Emmys Week, I'm sure. Every week is Emmys Week, and for, you know, 50% of the year. This is a particularly exciting Emmys Week, though, Liz, because things actually happen. Yes. Finally, after literally three months of predictions and guessing and interviewing and talking and listening and all that crap that we do enjoy doing, but it all comes to an end now because we're finally going to get some goddamn nominations on Thursday. The decisions have been made. The votes have been cast. Now we discover. Now we discover. And... You know, everyone has their dark horse favorites, and certainly you do. Certainly you have things where you're just like, sure, why, where's Wayward Pines could get a nomination. Like, that's, like, those, everyone, every show has its fan base, and every show has, and every, and every fan base is like, maybe there's a chance my show can get in there. Um, there's a strong chance your show will not, just by the law of numbers, they're and especially if you are a Wayward's Pine fan, because it's not eligible this year. <laughs> isn't, isn't last year eligible? It hasn't aired enough. I think that came out earlier. I okay, so I sorry. don't remember seeing it okay, on the ballot. Okay, so Wayward Pines might have some problems. Yeah. But, um... More problems than other shows, which already have a lot of problems. Yes. Because there's so many TV... There's just too much TV out there. There's yes. just so much to watch, and voters, voters got to sh- sift through it. They've got to make choices just determining on what they're actually going to have time to watch, let alone what they're going to vote for. So you've got a lot of phases you got to get through. There's a lot of challenges out there to actually making it to the ballot. But there's a few. There's a couple that we've been harking on mm-hmm. that we think maybe, possibly can sneak in there and have a nice little Emmy surprise for us come Thursday morning. Yeah, so we've Ben and I have each prepared a few picks for things that are super-duper long shots but at the same time, could actually happen. You never know. Mine aren't, mine aren't super duper. They're long shots, though. They're not something that I'd bet on, but there's something where I think you'd get odds for it, like if you were in Vegas. Yes, there, there's an actual chance that Gold Derby, if you put, punch this in, goldderby.com wouldn't laugh at you. Yes. Okay, so Ben, why don't you kick us off? What's your first one? First one, talked about it a lot. Feel actually pretty good about it. I think I actually predict that she is going to get a nomination. Part of it is heart. Part of it is sheer desire. Part of it is being out in the field and seeing what's going on. I really want Aya Cash to get in there, Liz. Cash for gold, baby. Cash for gold. Get her that Emmy nomination. Get her that friggin' Emmy win. I mean, she deserves it. It was an incredible season, and here are the factors that I think could actually lead to getting her in. First and foremost, her arc this year is not just comedic, which sounds ridiculous to consider when you're talking about a comedy category, but so much of what's happening these days leans toward the dramatic. If there's a dramatic element to it, if there's an important element to it, like a social element, then people are going to cling to it a little bit. It gives them more of a, a sounding board, more to talk about, more to campaign and, and push. And they haven't been super active on the year of the worst side, but they have, you know, we've done some interviews. Uh, she's been out there on the campaign trail. She's been at events. Like things are happening. So there's there's a there's a possibility that she was out there and people saw her and they want to vote for her because of this great arc that she had and because of the fact that people were actually talking about it beyond just hey it was really really funny and she was really really good. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like there's no way she wins because there's this person named Julia Louis Dreyfus in the world. Yeah, but people gotta get tired of that eventually, right, Liz? 
Yes, because the if the Emmys have proven anything, it's that they 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 value change and inconsistency um, way above just giving the same award out to the same people over and over again. I mean, eventually they all hit their limit. There's a reason that you know, like the what was it, the comedy series is capped at five, and the drama series is capped at like four. I mean, there's 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 limits to how long they will continue to give it to her. Now, the question with Julia is, is just she's so freaking good this year that she deserves it again so it would be i mean it's hard to imagine her get upset but for now nominations wise i really hope cash can sneak in no and i agree that there's it feels like this is if this is going to happen this it would be this year and i mean stranger things have happened uh you know last year lisa kudrow uh despite despite the comeback not being a huge player did manage to sneak in for best actress and that was a huge thing um i i definitely was like i wanted that to happen really badly but i didn't predict i didn't have wouldn't have bet money on it yeah she had precedent on her side but it was what 12 year old precedent or something i mean it was so far dated back that it was hard to rely on that as any sort of indicator plus the ratings were similar for the new season as they were for the old but you're right i mean it's one of those things where if somebody can just capture the zeitgeist or get enough critical backing or just have enough of a push where people feel they need to see it then it's going to be okay so yes we're both on team cash for gold undoubtedly i agree with that um but i'll take this to my my first pick which is staying in the comedy realm staying in the actress realm I have a deep, unabiding desire to see Anna Camp get best best guest actress for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's not. I'm not the first person to suggest that this is a real possibility, um, and she is so good as <laughs> she. If you if you miss uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt season two, she plays a uh, socialite who who's like just on the edge of insanity and plays it so beautifully and like just with this like delicious rage that it was an amazing performance in a show that is not short on amazing performances. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how Kimmy Schmidt plays in its second season because there was a little bit of controversy over some of the earlier scenes and there was a little bit more critical backlash in the second season than for the first but at the same time, it's Netflix, it's Tina Fey. These are big elements that are going to keep pushing through. They, they had a big splash in the first season. You'd expect that to continue in the second season. And, I mean, that's a candidate who, you know, Netflix is going to want to get in there just because it's going to up their Emmy count, their total count. And that's what matters. Like, they're really trying to, to continue to become a, a juggernaut um, and, and maybe pull a, few, pull a few nominations away from HBO, which mm-hmm. is uh, still the king. Let me ask you... Um with if 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 uh Aya Cash got got in for got in for best best actress in a comedy but that cost Ellie Kemper her slot how would you feel about that fine fine totally fine really well like I mentioned I, I think Cash I'd give it to her like if I could give her the trophy I'd give her the trophy so basically anybody else is fine I'm just really hoping Julia Louis-Dreyfus doesn't hear that you said that I mean, she's got a lot of trophies. I feel like if she watched You're the Worst, which I don't know if she did, then she'd be pretty encouraging about it as well. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Like, she doesn't seem like the kind of person who needs how many Emmys? Like 600. Yeah, she, she's good with 599 Emmys. She yeah, doesn't need... I mean, her house is... I mean, she's going to have to get another one. And, like, frankly, that's just Just a lot for of her house. Emmys. Yeah. That's yeah. A lot, that's a lot to deal with. You have to, like, 
you know, it's property new, taxes. It's uh, a lot. It's, it's a, a new, lot. It's like a whole new maid service. Like, I mean, just the time it would take her to clean them might interfere with her, you know, doing projects on her own. And, and we want her to keep working. Like, we want to see more of Julia. So. Yeah. So really, it's for the best that she, she you know, let this one go. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, but, uh, so you're with me on Anna Camp, though. Absolutely. Yeah. We're okay. There. Good. Good. So how about you? You got another one? Of course, Liz. I came very well prepared. And... I'm going to drift away from the acting side of things because, frankly, I've covered this like too much on IndieWire. If you want to see a lot of me complaining about uh, who should really be getting into the Emmys race this year, then you can pretty much just go to IndieWire and click on anything and you'll find it. Um, but a few of the categories that we don't dig into that deeply right now because there's just so much going on outside of it uh, is like directing. Mm-hmm. Outstanding directing for I'm going to go with a comedy series right now which is um, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm. I would really like to see Sam Raimi get in there. That's and a really interesting pick. He is the kind of name that is big enough and, and stars is going to be pushing that show pretty hard. They've got a great campaign for Campbell going on right now, which, I mean, might be a tough sell, but it's beautiful and wonderful that they're doing it. Totally deserving. Uh, but what Raimi did with that pilot episode, which is titled El Jefe, I mean, it really felt like such a great spiritual successor to the film. It felt like a perfect transition from the films into the TV series. He really made it cinematic. He really took some big swings with a couple different, like, dark, scary, truly frightening scenes, as well as, like, just the really hysterical hilarity that you're used to seeing with the Ash franchise by now. Um, so, you know, the set pieces that he worked with, the the way that, the, you know, he, he established the camera, the way that he established the series, the look of the show, the tone of the show, it's just slightly different. Like, it's it's nicely upgraded to fit what's going on today. So it doesn't feel like a dated show that's trying to revive some old franchise. It really feels like an authentic show that even if you just started watching it now, you'd really enjoy. And it's a really enjoyable show. So I, I, I'd like to see him get in. It's one of those things where it kind of feels weird because Ash is a comedy. That's what it's running as. But it's also a horror show. So it brings in a lot of different elements than what some of the other comedy directors get to work with out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a, in a realm where there's a lot of, you know, like Jason Reitman's up for casual, you know, and there's a lot of other dramatic comedies out there so they have to deal with that and they get to you know experiment with those kind of styles when they're directing you know it's fine to have a little horror in there too so I, I'd love to see Raimi snag an odd come Thursday I mean my question for you regarding that like I, I, I agree that Raimi's great and that pilot is really well directed do you feel like the comedy the comedy directing scene kind of honors you know honors like big big stunts over like actual like artsy execution uh, I didn't look too far into it they 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 hone fairly closely to to what the the, the best series they're, are. Yeah, it's, they, it's, it's usually a good predictor. Yeah, it's the same with writing. It's the same with, with drama. Like, a lot of the time, you know, with a lot of the Emmys, they repeat a lot of stuff. You know, they, they, they've seen the show, so they like the show, so they keep voting for that show again and again in a lot of different categories. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I feel like because Stars has been very aware of making this push because... Raimi is a pretty well-known director, and because it's a pilot that I imagine people, they've definitely had time to check it out. I don't know if they've had the opportunity, because you just never know what people are going to choose these days, but um, it's it's definitely a an established show and a, and, a, and a great episode of TV, so you just kind of hope that people caught it, and if they caught it, it's hard to imagine them not voting for it. Fair. I mean... I, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is just, like, were there enough eyeballs on it? Right. And that's the question with, like, you're going to hear that every year from here on out until somehow 
peak TV, quote unquote, ends. Until the big, until like to, the reverse of the Big Bang, the Big Crunch. Exactly. Yeah. Until we get back down to you know the the fifty shows instead of the four hundred and fifty, which will probably never happen. Yeah. Um, you're gonna keep hearing that people are saying, yeah. I mean, it just depends on if they saw it because it's a new show and we don't know. We just don't know what the academy, what those nineteen thousand academy members decided to do right. with their time. Uh, but Liz, what is your next pick? Well, I, I want to note for the record that this whole time we've been talking about Ash versus Evil Dead, I've been making direct eye contact with the a, a disembodied Bruce Campbell head. Yeah, me too. Um, right over your shoulder. Basically, we have like stars sent out these uh, for your consideration packets that included um, basically cu- cutouts of, of of Bruce Campbell's head, and for some reason we decided to put decorate the office with them, and it's. You, it's it's normally very fun, except when you're staring directly at him for five minutes at a time. Well, I mean, you can't throw him away. Like it, it just no. feels wrong. No, to, I would never throw Bruce Campbell away. So but it's a little disorienting, is all I'm saying. I mean, Michael's got it at the front of his office. Like yes. everyone who walks by his office, which is everybody, it's right there in prime, like you know, walk by territory. Walk by territory. Uh, you know, they're gonna see Bruce Campbell's head. They're gonna be like, I wonder what he's doing here today. So, yeah, watching you. Always. Always watching you. Hi, Bruce. Um, so I'll keep keep us in. The, I'm I'm doing a really good job of segueing from yours to mine. Maybe it's because we are thinking along similar lines, or maybe it's just a wonderful coincidence that my next pick is also a star show. And it's not girlfriend experience. The girlfriend experience is really great. Zach hates you right now. I know. I mean, well, when doesn't Zach hate me? No, Zach loves me. Zach says all the time how much he loves me. Yeah, but right now he doesn't. Yes, Zach. Zach is uh, Zach, Zach uh, Sharf, our uh, our social media coordinator, uh, is a big fan of Girlfriend Experience, as am I. But I would really like to see in the below the line categories, any of the below the line categories, actually, I'd like to see Outlander do something. Okay. I mean, you are very skeptical of Outlander, and I'm trying to remember how much of it you've actually seen. Like um, maybe ninety minutes, maybe maybe two hours. Of, from, from, like, the first season? I saw the pilot, and I saw a random episode uh, after that. Okay. Um, did you watch the wedding episode? Uh, I don't think so. It was the one with all the sex in it. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, there's a lot of sex. I don't know how much all the sex means for Outlander. There's a lot of sex. In well, I mean, basically, Outlander has a lot of sex in the first episode, and yeah. then it takes, like, a five-episode break, and then it has all the sex. Yeah, there was less episode in whatever the second episode that yeah. I saw was. Okay. Less my, sex in the second episode. My point is, Outlander is a weird show in that I feel like it was something that was easy to categorize in its first season. I certainly did. I certainly made jokes about it. Um, but in season two, I've been keeping up with it because we're running weekly reviews, and so it's helpful to have seen the episodes that our reviewer is covering. And... On a craft level, it really is doing amazing work. And I got to go to an exhibit for uh, at the Paley Center here in Los Angeles uh, for all the work, for all the costumes and all the set decoration as well, um, the set design. And the level of detail they put into this on not a huge budget is incredible. Like they have, they they really throw themselves into crafting, handcrafting these amazing recreations of garments from centuries ago. And they bring such wit and ingenuity to it. And they also bring, like, like it's a very character-driven thing. Like, they're coming up with coming up with looks that are based on the fact that these characters are doing stuff. And they also just, like, created some amazing set pieces as well. Like, there's this, um, 
incredible dome chamber that was used for one scene in season in season two but it was a pivotal scene and it was just an amazing piece of construction and you know actors talk all the time about how they can walking into a world and feeling it really come alive for them like that matters well no I, i completely agree with you i'm i'm not necessarily biased against outlander though maybe a bit uh i am biased against period shows when it comes to these kind of awards uh, because they dominate the that conversation is a fair that's a fair time. problem it's like a fair it's just like an assumption and and they do like that's it's it's it it's easy because it's true to assume that they're putting in a ton of work to to period shows to make it fit the time period and to make it fit the characters and everything you just said that's all true but at the same time i feel like that almost takes away from the effort that people do on modern day shows. Like I'd love to see Jessica Jones get some nominations for that kind of thing because I love the way, I love the look of that show. I love the way they've built those sets. I love how it's been designed. And it is a very specific world because it's not quite real, but it is. It's It's got the noir feel to it, but it's also modern. And same thing goes for like Gotham. Gotham is something where they created this whole new world that you know had to be defined. It was actually redefined midway through season one, but it, it it's specific to something that isn't definable. It's not something you can look up. It's not something you can trace back to you know X year or Y year. It's something that's gotta be really created from nothing. And I'd like to see some of the stuff go that way as well. I mean, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert for the, uh, the third thing on my list is Jessica Jones for anything. Boom. We'll, we'll, we'll loop back to that. Ritter. But um, I mean, we'll loop back to that, but I, I like bringing up, bringing up, in terms of wardrobe design for Jessica Jones, like. You know, they talk about how it was not, there was, it was a big, it was a, you know, there was a lot that went into picking her, picking her looks, finding the right boots for her, the right jacket, like, and yeah, because those details are so important when you're crafting a character. Um, And also Kilgrave, really, like, like, coming from the comic book, it would have been easy to make him into something kind of cartoonish. And obviously Tennant helps a lot with, with establishing him as being real. But, you know, the, the, the. His on his dress, like the what he wore, was very key to that as well, and and his surroundings and where he chose to live when he could live anywhere. I mean, there's a lot going on with that, that all seemed to fit so snugly with that character and build around him. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I'll, I'll, we'll loop back a bit more on Jessica in a bit, but I want to also agree with you about Gotham. Actually, Gotham, I think, is a really great example of. A show that's easy to dismiss uh, for that sort of thing, but when it's, I honestly like it is extraordinary the level of the, the level of design, and not just the level of design, but the fact that they're not trying to they're not trying to mimic any one thing in particular. They're not trying to recreate any one period of time in particular. Like Gotham exists in this very weird little universe outside of conventional time periods, and the ingenuity and the imagination that go into crafting that, like that, is awards worthy level work. Absolutely. So what's a what's the final thing on your list? Uh, the final thing on my list is <laughs> is what you all knew was coming eventually. Um, the leftovers does not stand <laughs> a great shot at getting a lot of awards. It's not going to be a huge player on Emmy's day unless I don't know miracles happen or you know I hacked the Emmy's voting system. I mean, are you Mr. Robot? I've, I've honestly tried to be just to, for this specific purpose, but I don't know <laughs> if it actually went through. Um, but I do feel like there's a specific category that one maybe is more important than anything else in terms of the speci- like the specific thing being honored, and two, could actually happen, and that's writing for a drama series. Outstanding hmm. writing for International Assassin, they absolutely could, could snag that nom. It's one of those things, like we talked about, where 
the history is not particularly on their side, but there are allowances. Just last year, the one of the most horribly, unfairly snubbed shows in the history of the Academy of the Americans snuck in for outstanding writing, and it was uh, Do Male Robots Dream of Electric Sleep, which, I mean, it, it's great. Like, that is a that is a perfect example of a show that totally deserved to get nominated and didn't really get a lot else outside of that, but the writers knew it, they voted for it, they got it in. The Leftovers, that episode is such a remarkable example of creativity and, like, everything you can imagine that you can't imagine. They put it into a script. Right. And that needs to be honored perhaps more than anything else on the show because it was such a process and it was such a bold thing to do and it was something that we'd never seen before. And it was a huge, every second of that was a huge risk. And, you know, all of the elements that went into it should also be honored as well, in my opinion, obviously. But I think that maybe, just maybe, with HBO's swagger, with their pull that they've got with the Academy, might be able to slip that one by. Yeah, I I I would be happy, mostly for you. I'd be doing a jig. You would be doing a jig, and I would get to laugh at you doing a jig, and that would that would be good for both of us for different reasons. You'd probably record it and put it on the internet, and I wouldn't even care. Yeah, no, this is all okay. This is all working out really well for me. Um, remind me to clear off some memory fa- space on my phone. Um, but beyond the fact that Ben Ben will be ritually embarrassed on the internet by this, um. I feel like there's. I feel like I feel like you've got a good. You've got a really good points there, and I. Yeah, I was going to bring up the Americans even before you did, um, and my only question for you is, why is so Amer- international assassin over the finale? Yes. Okay. Have Have you talked to them? Have, are they confirming that they're only submitting international assassin? Uh, I cannot confirm anything about that. Okay. Um, all material that I know is off the record. I can tell you that. Um, in terms of episode 10, what I would want them to honor for that is the direction. Right. Mimi Leader owned that, and it was practically a feature film. I mean, it was an hour and 13 minutes long. It was very close. And they cut, like, very minimal things. The They shot that in record time. I, like, absolutely the direction of that show should be honored. But in terms of in terms of the writing, like, in terms of, of creating something for the page, International Assassin is just one of those perfect things it's one of those perfect scripts that's just out there for you to admire and to try to figure out how to replicate that but you shouldn't even try you should just try to come up with something as boldly creative for your own purposes as what they did like it i just i think that's an important thing when you're talking about these awards which you know a lot of people just want to dismiss in general but if you're going to honor something you should honor something that really went there that really took a risk and it worked and it changed things. It wasn't just like, oh man, they followed a formula or they, they fit in really well or it, like it, it's just something that was accepted. It should be something that's a little bit different and I'd, I'd love to see that get in there. Okay, good answer. Hopefully it does. Come um, on, people. <laughs> get on the train. Get on the leftovers train. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I, can't, I can't argue with you and I because I know way better, but also, <laughs> but also, I feel like it would be really exciting to see that. And the thing I'm I'm thinking about right now is because you know thinking about what else is going to be in that category, uh, Game of Thrones. I mean, don't roll your eyes at me. Not you, Liz. <laughs> but I'm wondering because I'm wondering what episode. I'm, I'm like thinking to myself about like what episodes cuz they've they've worn, they've been nominated they they get like two scripts in sometimes on on these cat in that category. Uh Game of Thrones was one last year, one the year before, one the But year they had multiple that. scripts in. They had multiple episodes, right? 
No, they've only got the one. Really? They got Mother's Mercy last year. Uh, the year before that, they had the children. Okay. Uh, the year before that, they had the reigns of Castamere. Yeah. I don't know. Well, sometimes I feel like they're they're competing against themselves. Then they skipped a year, but no, there's there are a lot of areas in which shows compete against themselves. Last year, Mad Men competed against itself That's and split right. the vote, and Game of Thrones won. Uh, two years before that, Breaking Bad had double nominations. It also had double nominations in the year before that. Um, Mad Men actually had three nominations in 2011, 2012, and it lost to Homeland for pilot. So it's actually dangerous if you get multiple noms because you have to, you're going to split the vote, and that's yeah. scary for your show. But what's interesting about all that is I feel like if Game of Thrones, I feel like Game of Thrones will probably go after, will go with their finale again if, they, if, they, if they're going to push one thing. But the Hodor episode might be more worth or more exciting in a lot of respects. In terms of writing, I'd, yeah. I'd favor that one. And it's, it's, it's interesting with this kind of, with this category to see what they choose because obviously Mad Men is something that's built on the writing so that they keep honoring that again and again. Same with Breaking Bad, you know, giving it a bunch of nominations. That's kind of how it should be. Game of Thrones is an interesting one because I feel like you could probably pick one script and be like, that is what it is but it's more about the overall construction of the right. series and then obviously the production of it so well, when you mentioned Reigns of Castamere that was not a finale and said that was a show that was an episode driven entirely that was entirely oriented around one major twist sure. and I feel like you could make the same argument for Hodor yeah um, that's not and the you, name of the episode and you know they've seen it so yeah because it's Game of Thrones and everyone's seen it exactly because it's a very popular television show that also deserves a lot of critical attention. It's a very popular television show that deserves nothing else. <laughs> um, Liz, bring us back to Jessica Jones. What do All you right. want to dig into about Jessica Jones? And if you had to choose one maybe thing. not just one, but like one or two things that you think could happen and really, really, really deserve to happen, what would it be? Well, David Tennant would be in for Best Supporting Actor, right? That's his, That would be the category. He wouldn't be in for Guest. Yeah, I think he's in too many episodes to be for Guest. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. He can, he, he, they can give him a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Um, I'd be okay with that. I think, I think it does come down to it'd be really interesting to see it recognized for writing, though it would have to be an episode that doesn't feature Robin, the world's worst neighbor and character. Um, really hate, really hate Robin. Really hate Robin, you guys. Um, and yeah, confirmed, Tenet was supporting actor. Okay, great, thank you. Um, and and also great that he's been submitted for it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he was extraordinary on a level that you know we haven't talked about nearly enough, which is to say, to my taste. Um, anyway, so but Ritter, I think, of course, for for lead actress like there, that the show would have been impossible without her pulling it off without her at its center and I think everyone knows it and I think then really the question is how much did you like the show and if the answer is at all you should be pushing for Kristen Ritter for best best uh, best actress in a drama yeah I actually had her I want to say it like four or five on my power rankings to start off the Emmy predictions like way back when we were just winging it. Right. And as the seasons progressed, she's just kind of had to drop off because there, there just hasn't been a lot of buzz around Jessica Jones. Um, for as much buzz as there was when it was released, it doesn't seem like it's gaining a lot of traction with the TV Academy. Right. That being said, it's a such a large group at this stage. It's hard to predict with those new shows like we talked about. And that is one that I do feel like they've seen the question and the doubts that creep in are just because it's a comic book show. Yeah, and I think that's that's essentially why I just have it, my, my, my notes literally say Jessica Jones for anything. Right. Because 
I am a big believer in genre television breaking breaking beyond just like ex- genre expectations. Like, and it's a big factor in why I support Game of Thrones uh, because I feel like the fact that that show does still blend. To quote one great man, Mr. Ben Wyatt, it blends fantasy and uh, with real life stakes in a very powerful way. HBO will never cancel Game of Thrones. Uh, till it ends. Yes. Till it, till it ends. Then Only two more years, to, Ben. Then they'll try to come up with a spinoff. Yes. Um, well, but the point is, point is, I really, I really admire the fact that that sh- I, I really love genre programming that takes it seriously and takes the genre seriously, but also takes character and story seriously. And I think Jessica Jones is a perfect realization of that. And so, if the Emmys can deign to give it a little bit of love, I'd, I'll be very happy. And there is precedent for this in the terms of Daredevil was released last year in time for Emmy's consideration, and it scored three nods for sound editing, visual effects, and main title design. Yeah, and main, man, main title design is a category I should, I'm suddenly excited about because the thing about the cool thing about main title design is there are no reruns. Every every entry is a new show, and that's why and that's. So a oftentimes that's how like a new show like Manhattan that otherwise got no attention from the Academy that's how it can sneak in and technically get an Emmy nomination. Yeah. Actually, didn't it win? It's mm, a good question. All right, Ben's gonna look that up really quickly. But uh, the main title design category I think is always fun, especially because like those are really easy to evaluate um, on a on a critical level because they're short. It did win. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those interesting categories, too, because it gives them the power to say they're an Emmy winner, which they could use in advertising. Um, did use help, in advertising in Manhattan's case. could potentially help them. But at the same time, I think what's really valuable about the Emmys, again, is, is hopefully, in, in a perfect world, it's going to find some new shows and, and elevate some shows that maybe people aren't watching. And then more people will watch them because the Emmys have said, hey, this is really, really good. It's a lot, I mean, similar to the Oscars when you get the Oscar bump after you win Best Picture. Maybe it's not the highest grossing film of the year. Maybe it's one of the lowest grossing films of the year, as it often is. But it gets a little bit of a bump because of it. Any kind of attention like that is a good thing. Right. Any kind of attention like that at an award show is a good thing. And that's, again, Fry Cash and you're the worst. They need it. Like, let's get some ratings going here. Yeah. Ben, I've, I have a mission for you. We need to. We need to get. We need to get. We get. We need to get all Tom cruised up. We get get our tactical gear on. We need to break into Amazon, and then what we need to do is we need to find the data that they have. I know they have it. That reflects how Mozart in the Jungle did before it won a Golden Globe and how it did immediately after. Now you can look at uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend a little bit too, as well as like, um, oh shoot, Gina Rodriguez, uh, Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's one of those things where with TV, it's not as drastic because the awards are split. The Emmys are at a weird time. People don't quite understand why or when they're happening. And there's so much repeat that it's harder to break in to actually make that big of a change. Right. Um, but, I mean, Arrest Development won in the last of three seasons without the Emmys. Yeah. So. But I'm, I'm very specifically using uh, Mozart in the Jungle because of the on-demand you know, aspect of it. Like, it's a show that you can, you know, people could watch. We're watching the Golden Globes. Mozart in the Jungle wins Best Comedy. They can immediately turn on, like, with two presses of button, they can be on Amazon Amazon Video, depending on what kind of buttons they have, and they can be watching it. Like, and that level of immediate gratification is why I really want to, you know, learn how to do the thing where you drop down from the ceiling with the ropes. I feel like I could learn to do that. Oh, yeah. 
I feel sure. like I'd be very good at that. You'd be great at it. Yeah, and then I'd learn those numbers, and that'd be fun. That's all you need. You just need to float into the room somehow, and then there will be numbers there, and you just kind of pick them out of the air. Yeah. This, I think I think this is how this works. Makes sense to me. Yeah. That, you know, you're, you're going to help. Oh, yeah. I'll hold the rope. I'll be your, your Jean Reno. Like, oh, that's not good. Like, pulling on it, like, making sure that you're at the right level. And then, you know, and if then a you're rat gonna try comes to... by, then I got to stab it real quick, but... But then you're going to try to kill me with a knife. Oh, that's later, though. That's after the numbers. You'll get your numbers. Okay. Yeah. I still get my numbers, even though you're going to try to kill me with a knife. I mean, I'm also going to try to kill you with a helicopter. I'd be oh, way more right. worried about the helicopter. Fair. Fair yeah. point. All right. Um, I mean, I think... I mean, we've there's so many more things to want to want from the Emmys, and so... Going into Thursday morning, I'm going to try to keep my eye focused on like the good, the the, the delightful little surprises that come because there will be a few. There have, there across the board, will somebody somewhere will sneak into a category and we will be like, that's great, that's hilarious. I can't be, wait to see what happens next, and yeah. good for them. And just remember when this happens, like when when the nominations come out, it's not just about what's excluded. It's not just that you know this didn't get in and that didn't get in. Because, frankly, there's not enough room. There's only seven spots at, at most in a category that, that they can qualify for. So you have to be able to look at it and be like, okay, this didn't get in, and that did. If you can point to the thing that shouldn't be there, which you don't want to do because that's kind of mean. But if there's really something egregious that just comes out of left field, like always happens at the Golden Globes, then, you know, you can get into it. But remember when you're doing this that there's so much TV out there. There's not enough room for everybody. Let's honor the stuff that deserves to be honored. Sorry, I just had a Narcos flashback. Exactly. Um, God, freaking Narcos. Um, anyways, the point is, Ben, what's the best thing you watched last week? Bojack Horseman. And you've only seen three episodes. I've seen three episodes of the new season. They are remarkable. It is off to a very fast start, which uh, isn't, well, there's only been two years. They did a pretty good job in season two of launching right in, but this feels even quicker. They feel like they have a lot of material to cover a lot of ground to, to, to dig into, and, I mean, they do it so well. They're just honing this. They're just building on, on stuff that's already seems perfect. It honestly, the pacing of it reminds me a lot of Veep mm. in that they just keep finding more time in in when they didn't have any to begin with. Like, it's not longer. I think the episodes are 25 or 26 minutes, and that's they're not just extending them to fit in stuff. They're finding little spots within the episodes to make it better. And it's tremendous. It's really just... A tremendous season so far. I hope it finishes strong, Liz. I know you've seen it all, and we're getting ready to, to you know, get that stuff out there. But uh, I'm being but very good it. about not saying anything. I appreciate that. I've I've been I've I watched it all last weekend, so I've spent the last week just kind of very quietly sitting and with all my feelings. And uh, at some point soon, Ben and I will be able to talk about it. And yeah, but I did deliberately did not I. Would I have put it as the best thing I watched last week is a really is a question I don't have a great answer to, but I will say that I deliberately did not pick it because I was pretty sure you were going to mention it. Um, so it, what'd you go with? I instead picked Difficult People season two. Excellent. That's actually my next thing I'm looking forward to. So we are in sync again. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I 
The only thing I don't like about Difficult People season two is that they only gave me three episodes. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about Difficult People in general is that they don't give me all of the episodes at once, no yes. matter the format. Like, no matter if it's a screener or if it's just on Hulu. Just give me everything. It's so oh, good. It's so good. I mean, it's such it's such a very specific universe. It's a sort of show where I fully understand if you've given it a shot and you're like, I don't want to watch Billy Eichner and Julie Klausner scream at people. But it's but it's so enjoyable, and some of the the level the pop culture jokes that they pull off are so freaking good. There is a gracing Frankie gag in the first episode that I I feel like I've maybe almost tried to explain to you, and then realized that was a terrible idea. I should not do that. Instead, I should let you discover it on your own. Yeah. Um, but it's so good on so many levels. Yeah, it's it's really a great month for TV nerds because that show and BoJack are both so good at finding those those really, you know, obscure, extreme pop culture references and, and tying them into quick segments that, you know, you can just dismiss if you don't know what they're talking about or if you do because you are obsessed with this culture for some weird reason like we are, you just, you die. Like, it's yeah. just so good. It's, it's, it's when you know that you're watching television written by people who understand your exact sense of humor. Like, when you find that in a TV show, it's always really special. Yeah, and they, they're so unafraid to go there, which is, it just makes it better. It just makes it all the more admirable, and it fits especially with difficult people because, you know, look at the title. They're not trying to be someone they're, they aren't. They are going after the people they are. They're, they're digging into those lives, and it's so much fun. Love yeah. that show. So yeah, that's that's a duel, and that's what I'm looking forward to next. And that's what Liz, your favorite, your best thing was. Yes. So what's your next thing? What my next thing I'm looking forward to, I've technically already seen a little bit of it, but I'm excited to dig in more. Is uh, Stranger Things? Oh yeah. Which is a show I haven't quite figured out yet, just because Tough. it's on. On the one hand, it's very clear what they're doing. It's a homage to 1980s. It's it's an homage to 1980s, like kid dramas where the kids actually can still get in danger and there's a major sci-fi element yep it's very x-files-y in some respects which yeah, it's it's a lot like a goonies et kind of thing have you watched any of it i haven't watched any yet i was on the set and yes. that was i think that was what i was looking forward to last week so i think i talked about it a little bit but yep. yeah it's 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 tough to nail down in like three words, but at the same time, when you see it, you get it. Yeah, you absolutely get it. And I think it's what's fascinating about it to me is I can't wait to go back to our favorite website, commonsensemedia.org, oh and find out what they rate it. Yeah. Because on the one hand, it's like perfect kids entertainment. Like it's exactly the sort of show I would love to watch as a kid. On the other hand, I don't know how old my parents would have let, at what age my parents would have let me watch it. I remember talking to the creators about it and, and, trying to nail down a little bit of, of who it's for and it, it it's it's for everybody like those not, kids use swears yeah not the not the maybe not the most innocent tiniest little five-year-olds or something but you know middle schoolers up should all find something to really admire about it the 80s factor how many references there are to you know old movies tv shows little objects the the by the way the production on this was pretty incredible like the the detail and mm -hmm. like the the um the props, like right? The props they found were all pretty authentic, all dug up from garage sales and and, and oh, wonderful! Know, like everything in the area, everything outside of the area, eBay, like every, like they really went after it, and it's it's pretty delightful to discover that as you're watching it as well. So yeah, you know what? Fun fact: uh, garage sales and yard sales apparently are are you know 
if you if you have a garage sale or a yard sale and you live in an area like Atlanta mm-hmm. or uh, say uh, Canada, say yep. uh, Alberta, Canada, um, it might you might be surprised to learn that uh, sec decorators and property people they go out to yard sales and garage sales, especially when it comes to period stuff. Because right. uh, when I was on the set of Fargo, they also mentioned because uh, that show that season was set in 1979, correct? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. About that age, about that era, anyway. I, mean, I was dealing with '80s stuff, but I think yeah, it was like just on the verge. Of, yeah. it was it was well, it was uh, Reagan's presidential campaign, so it was '79, yeah. um, and yeah, uh, they were saying yeah, we go to yard sales, we go to garage sales, antique stores, just to like find like because they need to find like things like multiple versions of the same television, yeah. so for for various reasons, and yeah, I mean, there's just so much stuff that you can't recreate like the materials the design like the specifics of it are either so expensive to recreate that you can't do it or they just don't exist anymore so they need it yeah and and yeah it's it's a thing so if <laughs> if, if you if you have a yard sale and you're in your hometown and your hometown has happens to be geographically close to anywhere where film production happens and that's a fair number of places these days how can they how could you market your yard sale towards those people like how could you make sure that they know it other than just traditional means i mean they're seeking it out so they're probably going to find it if you put it on craigslist and, and get it well yeah it. i feel like when you do a yard sale like a nice thing to do is to put up a craigslist ad saying very specifically right. what kind of like if you have any specialty items if you take photos of your stuff then a lot better odds people showing up yeah so that's a fun tip for how to get your t- your your old crap and on the television. This podcast has changed. This podcast has changed into an informational service. Yeah, we're really helping you guys out. We really are. Every facet of your life. Yes. We're here for you. And we continue to do that every day on IndieWire.com where you can find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like about all the shows you like. And if you want to hear about movies that you like or may not like and, you know, just want to find out why you like them or why you don't like them, then listen to Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohen. They will tell you what to think because they're very smart. They are very smart. They know what they're talking about. So tune into that as well. Yeah. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. That is correct. We will be back next week. We will be rich with the knowledge of Emmy nominations. And Ben will either be very happy or very sad. And either way, it should be very amusing. I'm either going to sound like this or I'm going to just kind of sound like this. (laughs) So, you know, pretty much business as usual. Um, Anyways, thank you for listening. And as always, keep watching television. (music) Thank <music> you.